For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fedotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team and Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I discuss the state of the offensive line and preview Friday's Cardinals game. But first, Joe, and by the way, it's Joe Valerio. I think I said Joe Valeria. Let's get your full name correctly. But first, but first Joe, uh, last time we talked about players to watch against the 49ers in the first preseason game, and you hit the nail on the head. You said the guy that you were looking to see was Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and that's actually who I even wrote about for Forbes, Joe. You. I mean, what a great call there. He, they first two to play the game, first two plays of the game went to him. Uh, he had three first downs. He only had uh, five touches, um, but again, three of them went for first downs and kind of showed maybe the, uh, how the Chiefs' offense is going to look a little bit different this year. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I think they've look. I think there's there's only so much you can do in the pass game. Um, seriously, I mean, you know, and there's only so much you can do in the run game, right? And unless you have both things firing on all cylinders, uh, it, it's, it's hard to take your offense to like the, the next level, right? Like the super next level. I mean, you can have a solid run game, you can have a solid pass game, but eventually these defensive coordinators are getting so fast they're throwing so many schemes out there. Uh, they're able to hide, you know, their coverages and do all the things they can to try to trick a, uh, an, even a quarterback who is as smart and, and as crafty as Patrick Mahomes. You know, it, it, eventually you've got to be able to take the pressure off of one or the other, right? You know, we, we've seen it, Jeff, over the last couple of years, right, with, with teams that, you know, with a Derrick Henry where it's like Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, then all of a sudden if you stop Derrick Henry – where you find a way to just stop that running game where you have an injury, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, a team like Tennessee could just collapse, right? Because they don't have that third, fourth, fifth dimension of offensive firepower. And that's why I was kind of putting my eggs in the basket of Clyde Edwards-Alaire as the sort of next, um, you know, as sort of the next wave of where this Chiefs offense goes. Right. I know we talked a lot about the line and what they need to do. But for me, that's why I really wanted to see what it was going to look like him uh, look like for him in, in the first preseason game to see if he's he's taken that next step in his professional progression to being the, the one who takes all of the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. And what I, I really liked about him, Joe, is not even, you know, the first uh, play of the game was really a statement play 10 yards off the gut. But then they got a third and two. Um, which was, you know, that short yardage downs, that was something the Chiefs struggled on, or struggled at relatively at, you know, they, they were pretty great and everything, but 
by that lofty standard. They weren't as good in the short yardage, uh, especially in the red zone, which this was. So the fact that he converted that into one of his three first downs, uh, really impressive. And uh, oh, yeah. the other, other guy, Joe, because we'll, we'll talk more about kind of players to watch and we'll get in this. But the other guy who actually really impressed me, and I'm only mentioning him, there's a lot of guys you can mention who look good, but I'm mentioning him because he's a little bit under the radar. Uh, Tommy Townsend, the, la- the punter, the last time we saw him, he really struggled in the Super Bowl. Joe, he had a 66-yard punt, pinned the Niners down to the one-yard line. Just just incredible leg this guy has. Yeah, well, you know, when you, when you, when you lose a Dustin Colquitt, right, who was a staple of this mm-hmm. team for decades, right, I mean – you know, you, you, you worry about that. Right. And, and look, that aspect of the game is, is humongous, right? The, the, you know, what you can do in the kicking game to change the, the, you know, change the field, you know, make, create short fields or long fields for offenses, try to create short fields for your, for your offense. Uh, it, it, it means a lot. Right. And I think getting that kicking game, right. And while a punter might only, you know, on a good day or a bad day, depending on, on your perspective and how you look at it, you know, get three, four, maybe five attempts to punt the ball. You know, you want to make sure they're impactful and you want to make sure that there's a lot of yardage to be gained. A punter can change the field 66 yards in one shot. Yeah. And it's going to happen. You're not going to convert every third down. You're not, you're going to have to punt in a game. I mean, and so having that weapon, I think is, is definitely going to give us, uh, you know, Coach Spagnola's defense a lot more to work with and creating those long fields for, for, for the offenses that they have to go against. Great points, Joe. And we're going to talk uh, about the state of the Chiefs offensive line and more about the Cardinals game coming up on Friday. It'll be fun because it's a national telecast on ESPN. But first, a word from our sponsor. If you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games futures for who you think will win the championship bet online has all the latest odds news and information for all your online sports betting needs visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit so before the next game head on over to bet online and start playing today bet online your online sports book experts uh joe we'll get to the offense line here because now uh, now I think we're getting kind of a feel uh, for the offensive line. That I think we we both predicted that that Trey Smith, who's looked very good in camp, would have a, a strong career, but Duvernay Tardif would eventually overtake him at right guard. Um, and we also predicted that Mike Remmers would uh, be the starting right tackle, which, which has a chance. But they've been pretty pleased with Lucas Niang, who started there. I, maybe the lesson is always don't listen to us, Joe, because uh, – and now, joking aside, though, some of it I think is out of Duverde-Tardif's um, hands, pun intended, because – Pun intended. It, a lame pun intended, because here in his hands, so he, you know, he's, he's going to be questionable even kind of for week one anyhow, so it's really Trey Smith's to lose. But, Joe, three – if they have three rookies, we're counting Niang as a rookie because he opted out last year. Yeah. Is is that like at all a concern? In other words, like I know guys like Will Shields, who's like a Hall of Famer, and and Grunny um, started pretty much out of the gate. But like even somebody that good, like there's got to be an adjustment period, right? Even for the best of the best, like those guys. 
Oh yeah, and and I here, here's here's a crazy theory that I was thinking about, Jeff, as I was thinking about, you know, watching that group that you know that you know played eleven snaps together, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not like they got a whole lot of snaps in that game. It wasn't a whole battle for a whole four quarters. But what I'm starting to think is, and this, you know, go with me on this, okay? As like a, as like a, as like a off the wall theory, is that it might even be better for this group to go in as five completely new guys, with three of them being rookies, than to maybe even try to insert a veteran or two in there at this point, because they're going to get used to playing together. And we've got to go with that, Jeff. We've got to go with it because this way to begin this the 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 way that this Chiefs schedule opens up and how tough it is, I don't know if they can afford to say, oh well, you know, LDT is the vet and he's back for week one. Let's throw him in. Mike Remmers is the vet. Let's throw him back in. I think with the limited amount of time that these that these players get to work together in preseason in in preseason games. You know the the limited amount of hitting they do. I think they're going to have to go into this season with this five group, with this group of five, and say they've worked the most together. They've spent the whole camp together. They're going to get their timing down together, and it's almost better now to go in as three new players, all learning how to work together, than to try to insert somebody just because they're a veteran and they might have individual experience. I think the collective experience of those players, even though there's not a lot from them all being technically air quote rookies, right? Lucas Niang uh, in there. I think they're going to get more out of this group by stick sticking with them than trying to disrupt it just because, you know, Mike Remmers comes back from injury and he's like the wily old veteran, like let's put him in. LDT was the Super Bowl left, you know, he was the Super Bowl guard, right guard. Let's put him back in. I, I really think this is going to be the five that's going to open, 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 barring another injury, right? Let's take that off the table. This is going to be the five. And those are the reasons why. So that's really interesting. So it sounds like even though they haven't had a ton of reps together, they've had more reps during preseason training camp. And that's more valuable than, than the year's, uh, of, of NFL experience that those other more veteran guys that, have. That's, that, that's that, one, that, that one guy might have, mm-hmm. right? Even though, even, even, even though Mike Remmers has, you know, more experience in his, in, in, in like, what's that old saying, right? He's probably forgotten more football than these guys know, right? He I still more think experience at like any position because he's moved around so I, much. Exactly. So like, I, I just keep thinking, I don't know as I'm thinking more and more about this team and this offensive line, I think that's going to be the best move for Andy Heck and Eric Bieniemy is to go with the collective experience of the group that's been working the longest together, then try to just disrupt it with one guy's ultimate experience. You know what I mean? Even though he's got all that experience, I, I really think this is going to be the five that we see opening day. And then, and then at that point, Jeff, you know, w- once it starts, it's and they if they make that first start game one, it's going to be their positions to lose. I mean, it's going to take something pretty dramatic, you know, a crazy loss that's caused by you know something that happened within that group of, of five, for for I think that group of five to get broken up. And, and I think if they go on a string and they win and that group starts playing together, it's going to be their positions to lose. 
and it's going to take something pretty dramatic for them to lose it. So I think LDT and Mike Remmers might be a little worried right now about whether they might crack that lineup sooner rather than later. And, and it's one of those things, too. Like, I still think a guy like Kyle Long has a ton of ability, but, you know, you got to be there. It's sad as it is if, if you're not there. Um, Joe, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, Trace Smith said something interesting when he met with the media. And, you know, you know offensive line play so well. He was talking about executing and finishing his blocks. Anyhow, he, he said that Coach Heck, Andy Heck, the offensive line coach, his mantra was to finish between my man and the ball carrier. And that's what he was trying to do. Is that a principle? Uh, maybe you could you elaborate on that a little bit more, Joe, and have you heard that principle or taught that principle when you were coaching offensive Sure. When I, when I taught offensive line, um, you know, my, my big thing was, especially, you know, when you're dealing with equal players on, on, on one side of the ball or the other, right? So you're, you're, you have an offensive guard that's going against a defensive tackle and, and you're talking about similar type abilities, right? You have to, no one's, no one's going to like completely destroy somebody on the first step, right? Like there's, there are very few players. Yeah. There's the Will Shields of the world. You know, there were the Art Shells of the world. You know, there were, there were the Anthony Munozes of the world that were just so good at offensive line play that, yeah, they could win on the first step. But, you know, for the most part in the NFL, you're seeing two fighter, fighters going at it across from each other, and they're going to be within a, a hair's breadth, a margin of each other in their skills and their ability and their size, right? So where you win is you win in being able to finish the defensive player and use his body against him when he makes a move. So what we called it is we called it fit and finish. Like, and, and we learned that technique pretty much from every line coach I had. Howard Mudd was, a, was specifically a fit and finish coach, and so was Alex Gibbs. You know, Art was, was more of technique and execution from the X's and O's, but Howard and, and Alex really taught me that concept that I tried to, that I tried to, to share with the players that I coached. And, and what that means is I want you to picture, I want our listeners to picture an offensive guard in front of a defensive tackle head up, just like a straight head up block. Well, when they come off the ball and the snap count is done and they hit each other and they meet each other in the neutral zone, okay? The ball carrier is going to go one way or the other, right? So picture Clyde Edwards. So picture Trey Smith lined up in front of, you know, pick a def, Chris Jones, just to pick a chief, another chief, right? So he's lined up in front of him. And then uh, Trey's left arm is, you know, there and his right arm is there and he's got him locked on to Chris Jones and he's blocking him. And then Clyde Edwards Alaire cuts to the right of Trey Smith. Okay, so I want you to picture that. What's going to happen to Chris Jones? What's he going to do is he's watching Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's going to make a move to the left, right? His left now, right? Trey Smith's right. So what I used to try to teach the offensive lineman is find that weak spot because you can't do – a defensive lineman can't do three things at once. He can't lock on to the guard. He can't keep his eye on the running back and make the tackle all at the same time. There's going to be a point of weakness where he has to give a little. He's got to give up a little of his body to try to go make the play on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? So picture that. 
two linemen locked up, right, offensive and defensive, and then the running back cuts one way or the other, that defender is going to try to re- – if he stays locked on the guard and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire runs by him, he's not doing his job. He's got to reach out and try to tackle Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So what I used to try to teach the offensive lineman is feel that weakness. Feel that weak spot in that instant, that moment when he goes to make the play – and that is called the finish. That is like the accelerate your feet and use that player's momentum against him and drive him away from the ball and to keep pushing him forward in that moment of weakness. That's what the great linemen do. They feel that weak spot in a defensive lineman's play when they either reach for the running back or they try to make a move to get escape the offensive guard or tackles block and make a, make a play to tackle. And that's when, if you can get that finish, then your ball carrier, even if the defensive tackle does get his arm on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, it's going to be, it's not going to be a strong arm because you're pushing that defensive tackle forward away from the ball carrier. And then, you know, he may make the tackle, but he's going to make it three, four yards down the line. That's what I used to teach. Fit and finish. Get the fit, wait for the defensive lineman to make his move, and then as soon as you know where the ball carrier is going and he makes that weak weak spot move to go for the play, finish, man. Finish and just pound that guy into the ground, and hopefully we get three, four, five yards out of it. Even if the defensive tackle you're blocking does make the tackle, you at least have used his weakness and hit momentum against himself to push him past, you know, where the ball carrier wanted to be. Joe, great job explaining kind of that mantra of, of Andy Hack about finishing between the man and the ball carrier. Uh, and I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7. And that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. Even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out, I always need the energy to level up. Couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Cool thing is we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it worked for him, it can work for you too. Uh, Joe, last week it was real fun hearing you on Sportsbeat KC with uh, Blair Kirkhoff, a good friend of ours who's been on our show, uh, and Sam McDowell, really good writer for the KC Star was on earlier too. He, he made a great point that I kind of had forgot, overlooked or not really thought about just how big this, chief, this new Chiefs offensive line is going to be. I mean, Trey Smith, uh, again, the right guard, the presumptive starter at right guard, 6'5", 330. That's a guard, Joe. And Orlando Brown. He's a biscuit. He's a biscuit away from 350. <laughs> let me tell you, he's a bis- He's a biscuit away. That was always our, you know, that was always our, you know, in, in the program, he might be listed as two, uh, as 345. We would always say, dude, he's a biscuit away from 350. So. And right, and he's also six eight too. At oh, least he's just more six eight. And you compare that to some of the guys 
that Yusuf Sarn, or the other guy I was going to mention is uh, Creed Humphrey, is a big dude too. Uh, but oh, yeah. but if you look at the the sizes from, you know, kind of the the Super Bowl team, Eric Fisher was three fifteen, Mitchell Schwartz was three twenty, Austin Ryder was just three hundred pounds. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, some big. Tell me what you think about just the the difference in size this year. They they're they're gonna have a mammoth offensive line. Oh yeah, this is the this is this is going to be across the board one of the bigger lines, both height wise and and weight wise. And, and I think there's a lot of long arms in there to you know to help with the pass protection. And you know it's going to be something obviously that that Patrick it, it could be an adjustment for him. You know, it could be it could be an adjustment to have you know a six foot five center, right? I mean that's you know that's big. That's 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 the middle of your pocket. And you know. I'm not saying that, you know, some of the centers that you've seen in the past have, have been, have been short. I mean, six, three is, 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 is not short by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm telling you those extra two inches, you know, in the middle of the pocket are, are huge. Uh, and so this is, this is, this is a big line. This is a big line for, for Patrick to kind of weave his way through. And, um, you know, they're, you know, you start adding those 10, 15 pounds per player and believe me, it, it adds up. I mean, that's, that's size. Like when, when you get an offensive line that goes from averaging, you know, 305 pounds, which is huge to averaging 315 to 20 pounds. I mean, that's going to, that's going to be intimidating for a lot of defensive lines when they see that group break the huddle. And then you also see Patrick Mahomes behind them. Like, you know, it's like, wow. I mean, I I'm, I'm excited about that. I, I love, I love those big lines. I, there's nothing more intimidating than seeing a, big offensive line who can move who can move who can move come up to the line you know and 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 put put their hands down on the ground it's it's pretty intimidating i bet and is it safe to say you know you made an interesting point about uh, the challenge of having taller players maybe seeing over them mahomes is not the biggest guy you know he's not the 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 old school drop back passer he's six five he's more of a a nimble guy with a cannon arm um but so do you think might in some ways it might be a little bit more of a challenge in the passing game, but the running game, when you have that kind of bulk, it's gotta be a huge advantage. Oh, huge advantage, right? Just moving people. I mean, you know, just that weight alone over time is going to get you an extra yard, extra two yards of carry just literally, especially what, if you go back to our comment about finishing, if Trey Smith and, and, and the younger guys learn how to really finish their blocks, you know, you're going to add a yard or two per carry just over time, right? It's a long season. It's going to be a lot of carries and a lot of yards to be gained. I mean, you, you add a yard, a half a yard, two yards a carry just because you're bigger and you're pushing teams around. I mean, that's just one of the other things that, you know, Trey Smith was reflecting on, right, in, in, in his interviewing was how he, they really uh, like to, you know, move people, right? Like that's, that's what, he wants to do he they're taking pride in what he said in his quote was we take pride in moving the people in front of us and uh you know it's really um it, it's really it's it's really going to make a difference and and you know but patrick is so elusive i i don't i mean i i jokingly said you know he's gonna he could struggle with the with the size i mean it's not like he's had you know miniature lines up there i mean he still had to deal with it but he's so elusive he's so good at finding that pocket within the pocket that you know, it's not like, it's not like he's just a stand back there quarterback. If he were, if he were, 
I'd be worried if you were like Drew Brees, you know, like with this big it's line. Short, but also a, a pocket passer. Right. Yeah, like that. That's when it gets scary. Pa- Patrick's always finding that little space, and that's how he buys himself the extra amount of time. So I, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's important that he, uh, you know, that he, um, he, he continues to, to to build on that skill of his with this taller offensive line. And uh, I mentioned uh, the, the guy who will be immediately in front of Creed Humphrey is listed. He's six five, three twelve. So again, a bigger guy. And Austin Ryder was, and, and Mahomes is still again a big guy. It's not like, uh, right? You know, it, it's not it's not like Drew Brees. He's, you know, I've I've seen him in person, and he's even though he's so he's listed at six three two thirty. I I don't think he's that big, but he's definitely over you know six feet for sure. I would say he's probably about six one in in real world yeah. height. Um, well, Joe, moving on to so exciting game against the Cardinals because. Andy Reid said the uh, starters will play about a half on Friday. And Mahomes, I think, will play less than that. He said that, you know, the starters played about a quarter, but Mahomes played one series. So you made your great call on Edwards, Hilaire. Who are you looking to see uh, on Friday night? Uh, Offensively, um, well, I still want to continue to see how Clyde Edwards-Hilaire plays, especially with a little more time, a few more snaps you know, check that durability, um, see if he continues to, you know, make sure that wasn't just, I, I would, you know, somebody would smack me for saying this, but like, you know, make sure it wasn't just luck, you know, uh, make sure that, it, that, that it is, it is the develop professional development that he has put forth. Um, I gotta say, I would like to take a look at the wide receiving core in this game, especially if Patrick gets more time. Um, you know, if he, if he gets a few more snaps, I'd like to see how they get the running back, wide receiver, tight end combo sort of working. Um, you know, it's interesting to see, and I don't know what your thoughts on are on it, Jeff. I mean, I think I think Tyreek and, and McColl are locks, right? I think they're absolutely locks. I mean, I, it sounds to me, and it looks to me, and everything I'm seeing, it could be a battle for that third spot, you know, between Pringle and Demarcus Robinson. So I don't know if – what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Because that's going to be the position I want to focus on offensively in this game is – how this wide receiving core continues to develop and, and are they going to be there for Patrick Mahomes come, you know, Super Bowl time? I, I think that's a great one to look at. And another guy, you mentioned kind of the high-end guys, the guys who are going to be receiving a lot of action. Darius Fountain is a guy who looked really good in the second half. And I'm just curious if he can make the team or ends up in the practice squad and maybe in a couple of years makes um, an impact. He kind of was kind of a – an unheard of guy that nobody expected much from a guy from Northern Iowa in his third year, but he looked really good. And you mentioned along the lines of the wide receiver tight ends that this is a pretty big battle. We obviously know Kelsey, but they signed Blake Bell over the off season and he's, he's got a battle that the chiefs would like to go um, with multiple tight end sets. They were very high on Noah Gray, their draft pick, but he didn't, do a whole lot against the 49ers. Jody Fortson did, and he's been really good uh, since switching positions and adding some muscle. Is he a guy that can make the team? Um, so they're going kind of deep dive there, but that's, I think, something that'll be fun to watch. And then on the defensive side, Joe, I'm really interested to see what how the defensive backs look. Uh, DeAndre Baker looked very good, had, uh, who's thrown at Often, I, I think uh, six passes went his way without a completion. 
And then some other guys, um, De Devin Key, who's looked really good in training camp, he and Mike Hughes are part of a, uh, a, a play that that long bomb from Trey Lance for that touchdown. Uh, they kind of misplayed that. So how they look, uh, Juan Thornhill, it seems like he slipped a little bit. I, just the whole uh, defensive backfield, I'm really in, interested to see how they look, Joe. Yeah, I mean, the front four, you know, we know we know who, well, not the front four, the starting four in the defensive mm -hmm. backfield. I, I think it's a pretty much a lock. But, you know, that's, a, that's such a, a fine-tuned position. It's like wide receivers. You know, those, those players are so fine-tuned. It doesn't take a whole lot to get a tweak here and a tweak there. Next thing you know, you're sitting out a game or two. It's a, whether it's a hammy or, you know, a tweaked knee or, you know, pulled muscle here or hip flexor there. I mean, you know, the, it's not like Lyman. You can, you know, you can grunt it out on the O-line or the D-line, right? Because you got so much muscle mass, right? Like even a, even a minor nagging injury um, can, can, can keep you in the roster, right? And keep, keep you in the starting lineup. But man, those, those, they're fine-tuned machines in the backfield. But I think, I think we've got to really be careful of the depth back there because while we may be very comfortable with the starting four, uh, you know, we're going to need, you know, we're going to need some, some nickel stuff going on. We're going to need that fifth defensive back to come in. Who is that going to be? And that's where we don't want the chiefs to get into trouble. We don't want, we don't want their defensive backfield to turn into the offensive line of last Super Bowl. Right. right. You know, we're a couple of things here and a couple guys out there. Next thing you know, it's a disaster back there. And, you know, teams are picking us apart uh, in the defensive backfield. So, you know, I think that's where Steve Spagnola really needs to focus his, his energies is developing that, that depth. You know, it's a little that's, late now. That's, to... that's really his specialty. That's kind of what he, he was playing and what he, he really prides himself on. So that's going to be interesting to see because that, that is the position group that doesn't have – there are more question marks. And in in, I think that might be the biggest question mark with the Chiefs, one of them at least, the, the defensive backfield. Uh, Joe, before we go – uh, we had a question on on social media. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at Believe Podcasts or uh, at, to us individually. But from uh, JV, he had a question last time for the all-time touchdown reception leader for offensive linemen. <laughs> he asked, do any of these new linemen that we were talking about previously possess your route running skills and catching abilities? <laughs> I thought the LDT was your – was your choice of somebody? Yeah. Who, yeah. Doctor, Dr. D Duvernay Tardif, the doctor. Obviously right now he's. Well, yeah, know. that's especially with the banged up hands. So yeah, there you so, go. So thank so you. Let's, you're, who, who is maybe one of the new guys who you you're, think ba you're, might... you're, you're bailing me out. Because um, <laughs> I did, you know, I, I, job, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I put, I put, you know, I put down on Twitter, my answer, you know, my memory was serving me right. That was five days ago. I'm, I can't believe I, couldn't remember it was only five days ago uh but i did hey but i did say though jeff in, in all in all seriousness there's a lot of athlete inside of all linemen so i want to make sure i put that out there for our, <laughs> all of my o-line friends out there uh and and what we call the fools the fraternal order of offensive linemen um but you know who now that that, that ldt's a little banged up uh doesn't you know but the banged up hand you're not going to throw to him uh, maybe, maybe, Hey, what, it, you know, if, since he's not starting, let's go to reporting eligible 
number 73, right? My old number, Nick Allegretti. <laughs> maybe Nick's the guy. Maybe maybe it's the number and it's not the player. Uh, you know, I think although Nick Nick's 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 a masher. He's a masher. I don't know if I don't know. I don't know if he if he might not have he might not have the hands. Uh, I'd have to see in, in practice, but uh, you know, uh, Trey Smith looks awfully athletic out there. You know, he could be somebody that they could maybe put in the tackle eligible position. Uh, you know, hey, maybe it's Kyle Long. You know, it comes. How comes long is a you know Kyle Long is a really good athlete. He used to be a baseball player. So yeah, so there you go. I, I I was going to predict. Get him off the get him off the physically un, unable to perform list, and uh, who knows? Maybe he's maybe he's the next uh, tackle eligible, and uh, maybe he's maybe he's even going deep. Who knows? Well, the moral of the story, clearly, JV, there's only one Joe Valerio. No. So, <laughs> and if, if, if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.